And uh, good morning to anybody that might be catching us, or good day to anybody that might be catching us online, Facebook, or otherwise. So uh, let's open with a, a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And as we come to you during this time of of uh, the the COVID running crazy at times, and and all we come with the thankful hearts, Lord, that you are the sovereign God. We can rest with an absolute confidence in you that nothing escapes you. You're never late, and uh, we can rest with a, with knowing that you are in sovereign control over all of this. And so we come to rejoice, to say thank you, and to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to be learning about love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And during this time, we just would really, we really need to remember those um, attributes of love. And as we worship together, just meditate on those words. God over all, giver of life and health and breath, I want to sing of your love. Came as a man, humble you died of sinner's death, I want to sing of your love. Your love has Save me by your grace I now draw near and your love has set me free to glorify your name and I I want to sing of your love I'll never forget that you have bought me with your blood I want to sing of your love. And all I do, may your great love be shining through. I want to sing of your love. Your love has saved me. By your grace I now draw near and your love has set me free to glorify your name and I, I want to sing of your love. And on that day when you come back to claim your own, yes, we will sing of your love. Then we'll bow down, praise you forever at your throne. Yes, we will sing of your love. Your love has saved me by your grace. I now draw near and your love has set me free to glorify your name and I. I want to sing 
Yes, and I, I want to sing. Yes, and I, I want to sing of your love. We praise you, Jesus, and we thank you that we can love you and praise you and glorify your name in all we do. Thank you. Again, anybody that has uh, difficulty breathing with their mask on, uh, if you're sitting with your family groups that are separated either way, uh, you're free to open your mask up and, and, and stuff. But when we're singing, we do want you to have it on because uh, that's when we project the most. And uh, we, uh, in the way of, 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 prayer, of, of uh, announcements, I don't know if we have anything specific. Uh, Brad, do you, can you think of anything? Okay, September 17th, the, the women's group is going to start up, uh, and we, they'll be meeting here at the church, uh, in the back so that they can maintain the spacing and, and, and the stuff that, that we need to take care of. And we're, uh, you know, we'll let you know, uh, when our home group is going to open up. And, uh, just in advance, Grant, I'll give you a heads up on that. We will meet here also for the same reasons. So, uh, that may be happening. We may decide to do it the same week on Tuesday, uh, which would be the 15th, I think. So, uh, anyway, uh, just, uh, those things coming up. Uh, anything else? Oh, I thought he was raising his hand to let me know that he had water balloons. <laughs> After church, no. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, in the way of, of, uh, prayer requests, uh, Diane Van is in the hospital again. Um, she went in about 1.30 Saturday morning uh, with chest pains, and uh, they say that she may have had another mild heart attack. And uh, the, the, the discussion was Saturday, yesterday morning, was the possibility of a stent. Uh, on the, the, she's already had one. She might have another. So uh, just uh, keep that in prayer. Keep the doctors in prayer. Wisdom is to how to treat uh, her, her needs. Uh, she's getting, you know, she says she's getting, it, it wears her out to, to go through all of this. And so she's anxious to get an answer to it and get it solved. Uh, Ted Silva's recovering well. Uh, he's still having, you know, can't get his arm up real high, but uh, just to keep him in prayer that uh, he continue to heal and uh, no infections. Kay is doing really well. Uh, so uh, that's all. Thanks. Praise the Lord. Uh, so those are the prayer needs that I have written down. Now, does anybody know of any others that we might need to put on our list this morning? Okay, let's pray together. Father, we come this morning again first rejoicing to say that you are the God of all creation and our salvation. The God of our salvation. We thank you. We come to you to worship you this morning. And as we do, we also come bringing our needs to you. Uh, we think of the, the, this COVID virus that is still going crazy. And we just ask again, Lord, that you would break the back of the virus and, 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 and cause it to recede and uh, bring healing to our land. But I think also of the scripture about if my people would humble themselves and pray. 
and uh, that you might be just trying to get a, our attention. So put it in the mind of those of us in church, especially uh, to be praying, Lord, for our nation, our leaders and and the wisdom that goes uh, that they need to to get us through these times. We think of the local high school that started up. We ask that you would put a, a, a veil of protection over the high school board and the teachers, the students and uh uh, that they can get back into the routine of school and do it without fear of, of sickness. Lord, that you would just be with them, give them wisdom, that they're prudent as to how to, to take care of things in the process. But we just ask for your protection. And uh, for those within our congregation, parents and students, uh, we ask a special blessing on them as they, they deal with this. And Lord, we also uh, think of the the, you tell us that, we can come to you to pray for your mercy and your grace and do it with a sense of boldness, not because we deserve it, but because you love us so much that you've opened that door. And so we come asking for Diane, Lord, that you would be with her, comfort her, strengthen her, and we'd ask for your healing for her, Lord, whether it's through the doctors or through your touch. We, we, we confidently leave it in your hands. Ted Silva, we thank you that his recovery is going well for for Kay as well. And uh, we just ask, Lord, that they would be back into regular routines as much as possible. And uh, we thank you for the success of their surgeries. And, Lord, we we pray again as we commit this service to you, as we open your word, as we as we study together this morning, as we sing, as we pray, as we share in communion, that you would use these things to strengthen our walk with you, to draw us close together, close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. No, I haven't had an update on that. No, she she hasn't put anything on Facebook or anything about it. So, no, they're not. I believe they are. Yeah, Tyson. Yeah, he was feeling very, just so that, you know, uh, Sherry Clapp, uh, her son Tyson, um, was feeling like somehow he should have died and his sister should have lived. And and uh, they both, huh? Grandson, yeah, excuse me. And uh, the uh, that his mom should have uh, lived and that he should have died. He had cancer to start with. And then he... He has cleared up and was, he's never had any, any further signs of it, but he really went through a trauma when his mom passed away and he's apparently doing, going through it still. And that's been several years now. So he, his name is Tyson. Let's stop and pray for him right now. Lord, we bring Tyson to you and we ask Lord that he could, I know that he knows about you. And I don't know that he's ever made a commitment to you, Lord, but we ask that you would reach down, touch him, bring somebody across his path that can both encourage him in a walk with you, but also encourage him in the reality that, that, uh, you know, his mom knew, knows you, loves you, and is with you, and that he will see her again if he knows you and loves you as well. And uh, we just ask, Lord, that you would be with him and comfort him as only you can. Give Sherry wisdom as to how to minister to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
You, the perfect, holy one, crushed your son, who drank the bitter cup reserved for me. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. perfect sacrifice I've been brought you your enemy you made your friend pouring out the riches of your glorious grace your mercy and your kindness know no end your blood has washed away my sin Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once you're in me, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. We're continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Take me a second to get my notes out here.
Find my eyes. As mentioned, we were talking about, we've been talking about love uh, and the importance of uh, our relationship with Christ, the love that he has for us, the love that he puts in us to have for uh, others. And uh, I kept uh, just thinking of different verses that uh, have come up through the, 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 the time that we've been talking together in this uh, series. And one of them was one that you're very familiar with, John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus speaking to the disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's important that we grasp this idea because the love that Jesus is speaking about, there is the same love that he speak that Paul is speaking through uh, uh, to us about in, in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the agape love, which is impossible for us to obtain. We can't have it naturally in any way, shape, or form. We can't read about it, look at it, think, you know, uh, strive for it. It comes through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for all who believe in God, who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, believe in him being risen from the dead, confessed with your mouth, believed in your heart, all the things that go with that and understanding that that's where the agape love comes from. And yet it's still something we have to learn, even resting in him, even though he's put it there, because we are tied to the flesh and there's a battle going on in the flesh that wants to contain all the things that God has given us uh, because we are naturally, while still in the flesh, we're naturally selfish. Paul will say, basically, I want to do this, but I end up doing this, you know. And and so we realize that there's a battle going on. How do we win this battle? We win it through being in Scripture, through prayer, ministering one to another, encouraging one another in our walk with the Lord. And so Paul speaking here about love, he's right in the middle. You know, the Corinthian church was having a lot of worldly struggles. They were struggling with a number of things that they had allowed to creep into the church that were similar to the things going on in the world. And and, and as a result, uh, Paul's uh, addressing this, elevating different gifts from the God as this is more important than this. And, and not realizing that it doesn't matter what it is that, that God has given you. God has given us all gifts so that we come together in such a way to, to create a a unity that allows us to minister one to another in a full sort of way that God would want for us. Even as a congregation, each of us have been given something in the way of a gift to share. Uh, and and someone says, you know, well, I don't know what it is. And I'm thinking uh, of one person that uh, I've mentioned uh, probably uh, many times before, really. Um, but uh, her last name was McCray, and, and, and she was a uh, a uh, convalescent hospital in a convalescent hospital uh, that was where she was going to finish her life. Basically, uh, she wasn't ever going to leave that hospital. That uh, and and uh, she had next to her bed a Rolodex. I don't know how that might be. You know, you, you, everybody know what a Rolodex is. It's a it it, it has. It used to be things that people put people's phone numbers on to keep so that we would have them. You know? uh, but anyway, she had on it uh, all the different people that she was praying for. She would 
flip it up and that would be the person she was slaying you know, and one and I would uh, was visiting her one Sunday and bringing her communion and I noticed that, that she had Kathy and I on and our family on her Rolodex she had been praying for her. she didn't know it was us coming that day and and uh, I thanked her and I thought what an awesome thing God is using her even in the capacity that she was in she had a gift that she could share she could pray and and I thought how awesome that was that she saw that and it kept her going. She she and she prayed. She'd get newspaper articles uh, about the people that were had suffered loss or and and stuff like that. She'd send them cards and let them know she's praying for them. She had a powerful ministry from a hospital bed, you know. And it made me realize that I there, man I had no excuse for for sitting back and and waiting for God to drop on me something important to do. Uh, that there was plenty of work to do right now. And that's the other thing. We don't have to wait for it. It's here. It's around us. And God just is, is probably trying to get our attention. So we need to pray. We have his eyes, his ears, his sensitivity to what's going on around us so that we can minister in his name to those people around us. But anyway, we are to be known by our love. And this agape love is big. It's so much bigger than anything that we can think of. In Ephesians chapter 5, and I, I know I refer to this scripture often as, as well, but in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Paul wants to talk to us about how our walk should go. And he says, be imitators, verse 1, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So we're to walk in this agape love. It's supposed to be something, and I, the reason why I wanted to get to this verse was it's supposed to be something that's with us all the time. It's not something reserved for Sunday. It's not something reserved for prayer time at night or in the morning. It's supposed to be something that goes with us all the time. Coming back to what Jesus said, they will know you are Christians by your love. The By the way you treat people day to day, moment to moment, in business, out of business, uh, in social situations, how you treat people, how you treat each other. I don't know if you've ever been sitting, uh, standing in a, in a, in a, uh, or maybe doing some shopping, and you hear somebody uh, the the, the row over rather loudly speaking about something negatively about their church or their pastor. I have, and I thought, wow, people hearing that. Or maybe you share with family members that aren't saved. You, they'll overhear a conversation about your frustration with something at church. And they're saying, yeah, those people are a bunch of hypocrites. You know, we've got to be very careful about our mouths and what we say and how we say it. And ask God to, God to guard our tongues and, and cause our, our witness to be consistent everywhere we go. So Ephesians says that we're to walk in love. He goes on down at verse 15. He says, look carefully. Then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. In other words, there's all sorts of things coming through every single place we go through the day to distract us from doing the right thing. To, to, you know, it's, it's, it's out there. The days are evil. We guard your time. Use it well. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
And people saying, I want to know the will of God. Well, he tells us certain things that we need to be putting into practice to start with, or we'll never know the rest of it. You know, someone wants to know what the will of God is for where they work or where they go to school. Where, well, first we need to be practicing the things that we've already known that he's told us. Here's one. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And the idea of getting drunk with wine, the way it's put here is, don't get drunk with the things of the world. Think of how easy it is to get caught up. If I only had the house, if I only had this car, if I only had, I'd be happy. What we need to find our rest in Christ is our happiness and our joy. He says, don't be filled, uh, don't drink wine for that. Be drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that idea of submitting to one another there is meaning give preference to them, to other people around you. In other words, put them first ahead of you. You know, even something simple. You've got a whole bunch of groceries and you're in the line and somebody comes up behind you and he's got a few things. Most people, you know, would be, I hope, this way. Oh, why don't you go ahead of me? You realize what that does for that person that day? That may make their whole day that somebody was that kind or polite to them. When a clerk, you can tell sometimes the clerks are having bad days. Give them a word of encouragement. Say thank you and, and please and uh, appreciate you being here, especially in this time that we're in now. Thank you for being here and, and, and meeting our needs. Go out of your way. Go out of our way to find, a re- to look for, again, that idea of having the eyes of Christ, the ears of Christ, to, to see and to hear what's going on around us in such a way that we can give those words of encouragement, not only to each other, but to other people that we don't even know. Today we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're looking at verse 7, but I'm going to start with verse 4 just to keep it into context. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way, and it is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, or love never fails. There's different Bible translations, and I thought I'd read a couple of them the way they they say this so that we can expand this just a little bit. In the New International Version, it says, love always protects. Now, the the word was bears all things, but look, it says here, always protects. And you'll see why that's important, because it's tied to this word bears all things. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always preserves. So instead of saying in all things, it says always does this. And either way is a correct way to, to say it. What it's getting at is, is that this is to be a constant way of our, of, of our walk. We are to, to be always in a sense of, of, of these things, protecting, trusting, hoping, and persevering. 
Love never gives. I like this one. Love never gives up. In, in the place of it bears all things. The New Living Translation. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Again, do you see the constancy that is supposed to be there? In the Phillips translation, love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. That's in so many wedding messages. Uh, it, it's, it's probably where I've heard that combination of the words the most. And, and it's, and it's good information for those getting married to hear. Uh, you know, love knows no limit to its endurance. No end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. Love stands when all else fails. Bears all things. There's two ideas in reference to the the meaning of this word. One is that it endures all things. But since Paul uses a stronger word in just a little bit for the word endures, I think he's probably leveraging the second meaning here uh, for this word, which it hides, conceals, and covers. It protects. Okay, it hides, seals, and covers. It protects. Uh, it's used if it was in, if you if you were looking in 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 uh, uh, terms, it's 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 used to to keep something out that you would uh, want to stay, you know, keep away from you, something that would corrupt. Uh, it's it's used in the sense of of uh, a roof of a house protect you, you know, in the sense of of, of from the rain. Uh, the, uh, uh, John MacArthur, uh, wrote a, a, a quick thought on this. He says, genuine love does not gossip or listen to gossip, uh, even when a, a sin is certain. Uh, love tries to correct it in the least possible hurt and harm to the uh, guilty person. Love never, uh, protects sin, but is anxious to protect the sinner. Not an interesting thought. God's love is anxious to protect the sinner. Not the sin, but the sinner. Now, how do we normally put that? Love the person, but not the sin? Fallen human nature has the opposite inclination. There, there is a perverse pleasure in exposing someone's faults and failures. There's something about gossip. That just makes it enticing. I know something you don't know. Now, and, and, uh, hey, hey, come here. Let me tell you what happened to George. You won't believe it. You know, that accident up on, on, uh, Street X. Yeah. It, yeah. It was George. He'd been drinking. Couldn't wait to tell somebody, you know, it was, you know, you, you've got something that you want to, yeah, and, and it's to tear down. It's never to lift up at that point. It's gossip. We like, like you said, like, 
MacArthur said, perverse pleasure in exposing someone's faults. Man's depravity causes him to rejoice in the depravity of others. It is the depraved pleasure that sells magazines and newspapers uh, and, 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 and that cater to exposés, true confessions. Now, you think about it. You go, you go out of the store, and what are those magazines on either side of the, 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 the way out on just before you get it to the counter itself? You have uh, Star and all the other. I can't think of the names of them right now. But but they're all the tabloid newspapers and right on the the, the pictures in the car, you know, we've got the latest juicy bad stuff to say about so and so. And it will be it could be the president, it could be the an actress, it could be an actor, it could be it doesn't matter. We've got the latest gossip to talk about. And those magazines sell like crazy. It is the same sort of pleasure that makes children tattle on their brothers and sisters. There's only a few of you in here. Got your attention? (laughs) Whether to feel self-righteous by exposing another sin or to enjoy that sin vicariously. We all are tempted to take a certain kind of pleasure uh, in the sins of others. Love has no part in that. It does not expose or exploit, gloat or condemn. It bears all things. It does not B-A-R-E, bear things. Okay, and I thought that was a rather clever play on words besides. Um, You ever heard of the term prayer gossip? We get into a a Bible study and and you have a, a prayer time and and, and somebody says, oh, we need to pray for so-and-so. They, they've got a drinking problem. Or we need to pray for so-and-so. And it's something that, that you didn't even know about. That isn't the place to expose someone's needs and sins. You know, uh, if, if you want to say that you have a, you know someone who has a drinking problem and to lift them up in prayer, God knows who it is. So that, that is fun. But we get carried away with it. And there are people that I've been in situations where they, they can't wait to share in some kind of righteous way, if you will, somebody's sin. And you rarely have them expose their own. But they are anxious to expose someone else's. And so, again, uh, I put in here, as uh, it, it's like a roof that's put in here to keep out the rain. Uh, it's like a ship that's built in such a way to keep out the water. Uh, this word protect, uh, this word bears all things as to keep out something that would injure, corrupt you, some, to injure or corrupt you. And again, put in here, no prayer gossip. Uh, the point love doesn't point out or focus on the shortcomings of others, but will give godly insight and discipline when necessary. We're not saying that there's not a godly stance about something. And it doesn't say that, that, that if you know someone who is in sin that you shouldn't go to them. Scripture is explicit about that. But that's not what we're, what, what's being talked about here. What's being talked about here is what was going on in Corinth. Everybody couldn't wait to talk about everybody. That's what the world does. We're not of the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We are of Christ. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. 
You want to know what, you know, you know, it says we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Certainly that kind of stuff does. So love bears all things. Love believes all things. Now, this idea of believe here means to have faith and trust. Okay, understand that. It looks for the best in people willing to give the benefit of the doubt with, but with discernment. In other words, yeah, again, you know, we, we don't, you see somebody walking the street in, 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 and you can tell that because, you know, they're, they're pushing their cart that automatically the assumption is they're homeless, you know, this type of thing. And for, for some people, as soon as they think of the term homeless, they think of, of scum. You know, somebody, you know, they don't know anything about that person, what they've been through, what's brought them to that point in their lives, what mistakes they've made. You know, it, 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 it has the, the, the reaching out and touching them, uh, is, is something that I would believe Jesus would do. I learned from my grandmother that, uh, you know, that desire to to touch these people and to minister to them to bring them a moment of a smile. My grandmother was never drove. I've shared this before. She never drove. She fortunately, uh, you know, lived reasonably close to the to the market that she liked to go to. And it was like you know people going to there's old time market. You know, she would never go to a Safeway or. And there would be down south were the Giordano's and, and the, the, the big, you know, store. she'd never go to one of those. She always went to the same old market that had the bakery in the middle and, 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 uh, the, the, the meat market and all the different things around that you, you went in and you had to ask the butcher, you'd say, I want, I want four pounds of pork chops or I want this or I want that. You know, it was, and she had her little cart that she pulled and, when she was at the store, she always bought extra food and going home because there was this one place she had to walk by where there were people sitting that were, quote unquote, hobos. That's what they were called back then. And she would stop and give them fruit or or bread or, or something to eat. My my one aunt was so she that was so embarrassing to her that her mother would do that. That she wouldn't go shopping with her. Now my aunt had a, an, an attitude about those people. They 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 put themselves there. That's their problem. And my and she to see her mother sitting there ministering to these people all the way down the street just bothered the heck out of her. I remember the one Thanksgiving. It was great. One Thanksgiving we had my aunt's house was always the Thanksgiving house. She had the big dining room with the. You know, and you have this, and here was on the, on the dining room table was the, the turkey and all the stuff around just a few minutes before it was time to have prayer and to eat. And that at the side door, my grandmother is there. She goes to the side door. So again, we're talking in context in the fifties, a hobo. He says, a piece of fruit, a piece of bread. 
she took went outside, took him around, sat him at the picnic table in the backyard, came in the house, carved off a chunk of turkey, got mashed potatoes, gravy, all this kind of stuff. When, and when my aunt came back into the bed, into the living room, uh, into the dining room and saw everything messed up, that perfect picture, Rockwell picture, dining thing had been messed up. And she was absolutely furious with her mom, especially when she found out the hobo was sitting in the backyard. You see, my, I, I learned from my grandmother what it was that have that sense of compassion. But I also saw in my, my aunt the typical world reaction. Especially at that time in our, in our culture. Love looks for the best in people, willing to give the benefit of the doubt with, with, but with discernment. We're not to be gullible. We are to confront sin when we see it, offering help and support so that they too can have victory. Now the context of the hobo, this type of thing, uh, the, the person in the street, uh, it's hard to get an opportunity. Sometimes you're ministering just in that context of, of a handout and, and, and ministering to their need. You may not have an ever influence, you may not be able to influence them for Christ. My, my, my son finds it interesting, uh, in, in, as a, a waiter, the uh, people that live, leave small tips and, and pamphlets about Jesus. Yeah. Most of the, 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 the waiters don't look at that as interesting. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, but, this idea of, of, of just how we are, how, how we look at things. Love believes in uh, the concept of innocent until proven guilty. It doesn't look for an opportunity to place blame. The characteristic has a twofold aspect to it. It takes God at his word. This idea of believes all things. We take God at his word. We believe it above all things. And love always looks for the best in others. We don't look for the opportunity to tear down. We look for the opportunity to lift up. We look for the opportunity to encourage. We don't look at the opportunity to tear down in the sense outside of the ears of that person. We, we look for the opportunity to build up. Our love hopes all things. And it's really pretty simple here. Love is not pessimistic. It is optimistic. Now, in the moments that we are in right here, and if we lived in more metropolitan areas, this COVID thing would be a far more intimidating thing than it is to us here. But just thinking about the times that we're living and the crazy things that are going on in politics and all the different things, we might be, you know, the the tendency might be to be a bit of a pessimist about what's going on around us. But do you believe, well, I I guess I, 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 I could put it more this way. Love has a Romans 828 attitude. 
Hope has a Romans 8.28 attitude. Do you know what Romans 8.28? Anybody want to give it a shot from where you are? Romans 8.28. Paraphrase. Okay, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That's us in here. If you believe in Jesus Christ, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised him from the If, that, if that's you, if you're a believer, then, then we believe all things work together for good. Does that mean COVID? It didn't say all things but disease. I have to tell you, I don't know how it's going to work for good. But And I know that the disease isn't a gift from God. Disease is the result of the fall. Gets down to being careful about ever saying, I deserve. <laughs> because this is the kind of stuff, this is the world we deserve in a sense. You know, uh, but but God, you know, he wants us to have an attitude of... of, of of being grateful in all things. That's part of this idea of hope. We we have what do we hope in? Well, first off, we know, hopefully, we know that we know that we know that we are saved. That we have eternal life. And that no matter what happens in this world, we can stand with Paul and to say, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. While I'm in this world, I've got Christ I can't lose. But if you take my life, world, disease, old age, whatever, if you take my life, I win. We are a people to have this great, amazing hope and it should influence our daily lives. And that was what Paul was concerned about. He didn't see that with the Corinthians. He didn't see it being the, the influence over, the, uh, over them. He was concerned. Is this the, do you understand what this is? The hope that he has given us that comes through Jesus Christ. Hope believes in God's word. His will, his purpose shall be accomplished. Even when we can't see how. It's going to be accomplished. His purpose is going to be accomplished. And we can know that for certain. That's where our faith comes in. We hope in this. And so we should be optimists. People that look with anticipation of what God is going to do next. And then finally, it says, love endures all things. In the general writing for Greek language, and I'm again, you know I'm not a Greek scholar, but I, I use references to look these things up. And I, I, I found out that this uh, term here for endure is a, if it's used outside of the Bible, it's, it's a military term. Holding a vital position at all costs. Love holds a vital position at all costs. What is a vital position? Well, Romans 8.28 is a vital position. <laughs> uh, that God is sovereign. 
that God is in control. The God that we trust in has got a plan. He will accomplish his purpose and it's going to be finished. And that even the work he has started in us, he's absolutely promising what? He will complete that work. And so we rest with an absolute confidence that he is going to bring about every, everything that's necessary to accomplish that. And our love endures all things. It can hang, we hang on to that love in the, in, uh, when, in the darkest moments, we can still hang on to it with confidence. As I was looking at this, I was thinking of all the martyrs through the history of the church. And then the one that struck me was, I don't know why, but uh, in my father's house, uh, the, the Cord Tin Boom story and the story of her sister in, in, in the concentration camps. She was always looking for the opportunity to be positive. She died a horrific death. She lived under horrific circumstances. And yet she prayed for the guards. She prayed for the, she, it was the way God would want us to be. Corey Ten Boom saw that and, and it bothered her because she couldn't bring it and she was confessing. I didn't have it for myself in a lot of those times. And then she finally got a chance to expose, to, to deal with that because in one of her, and most of you have probably heard the story, I see some nodding already, know where I'm going with it. As she's doing one of her presentations about God and his love and his mercy and forgiveness and how important forgiveness is, uh, some guy comes forward and it was a prison guard from the concentration camp that she was in. And as soon as she saw his face, she recognized him. And he says, can you forgive me? She and, and and she said it was like God's melting over her and gave her the ability. She says if it had been up to her, she right then and there she would have said no. But the Holy Spirit in her says the, the grace of God, yes. Persecution. Through persecution, uh, the, the, the church hangs in there, endures all things. No matter the hardship, we will not retreat. The Holy Spirit will empower us, strengthen us to make the stand. Whatever we need, he will give us to take and make the stand at the point in time that it's needed. We might not have it right now because we don't need it right now. You're wondering, you might wonder and say, I don't know if I could do that. Well, with all confidence, if I believe in hope endures all things and the hope of Christ is in me through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then I believe that if it comes to that point, God will give me whatever grace, whatever strength, whatever it is I need to be able to be the person he wants at that point in time. Philippians chapter 1, starting around the 27th verse, there is a passage that talks about standing firm. And again, another military term, but the idea is to stand firm. The ground that you have hold, have taken in your life for Christ. What Christ has got, don't lose it. Don't take any steps backwards. Don't, Don't allow things to come into your life that 
cause you to fade and move away from from your your faith or or the strength of your faith. Be confident that God wants to see you through all things and 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 don't let anything move you backwards. That's what it means to stand firm and then here to endure, you know, stand firm and whatever comes your way, you can handle it through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit in us. I, I put in here this, this love is enabled by the Holy Spirit to endure persecutions. Yeah, you know, in, in a, a patient and loving spirit. Again, thinking of, of Corey Ten Boom's sister. With no desire to retaliate. That's so hard for us. Or to reject or to, you know, to condemn. It remains steadfast in the face of, and I put a blank in this here and fill in your own Worst concern, you know, your own worst fear in the face of whatever. You know, we can do this through the indwelling and power of the Holy Spirit God has given us. We have that ability to say, even in the midst of persecution, Father, Forgive them. It doesn't come from a flesh. It comes from the cross. If anybody had rights and deserving things, I mean, yeah, he sacrificed it all for us. And, and now he's telling us, with me in you, you can do all things. We can do all things who, through Christ Jesus who what? Strengthens us. Luke 17.4. Well, I was going to look it up, but I'm I, I just going to go to it in the sense of what it is. Luke 17.4, talking about forgiveness. And, you know, Paul, Peter's thing was, how many times? Jesus, seven? What was Jesus' response? No, seven times seventy. And again, you have a, you have somebody like me, four hundred ninety. And I, you know, so I I keep my list until you hit four hundred ninety-one. Now I don't have to forgive you anymore. But it's, but see, we've already read love does not keep a list of wrongdoing. What did Jesus mean by seven times seventy? He meant as many times as necessary. In Second Timothy chapter two, a couple of verses that I'd like to share with you in, in the idea of closing. Uh, in chapter two, uh, verse twenty-four, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patient, patiently enduring evil. The idea of enduring here is there, patiently enduring evil. In other words, even though there's evil around you, you, you endure it. You don't, you don't, you don't get involved in hating or, 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 you know, you, you, you take care of. Now, somebody will say, 
if I have the right to do something other than endure it, should I take advantage of that? It's not saying within the framework of your government, not doing things that you can do, this type of thing. What it's saying is, is that when, when it's out of your control and it's coming at you, take it on and endure it because Jesus Christ is with you. In verse uh, 10 of that same chapter, uh, Paul wrote, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also might attain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We do everything for the sake of the elect. What he's basically saying is, for the sake of the witness that I leave behind, I do everything I can to leave a witness that will tell them I belong to Jesus. I think of the of of, of, of uh, the funeral that 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 I went to of of just a, a a very special person in my life, and uh, some of you knew him, Randy Helton. Randy Helton was uh, a person that came alongside, especially when my my son died, and uh, there wasn't a day go by for probably two months that he didn't call or come by and check on me. Just to, you know, and, and pray with me. And to pray with Kathy if she were, were home. And, uh, I remember when, going to his funeral and, uh, just, there was that opportunity for people to share. We had to, they had to do the funeral at the, uh, uh, River Lodge because there was no church big enough to handle the people that were coming. And then there was standing room only and people standing outside. They actually put speakers out in the parking lot. Um, and person after person after person standing and saying, never heard Randy speak a bad word about anybody. But what a testimony. Now, I'm not all into people saying, what is my epitaph going to say? But it's kind of interesting to think about. Sometimes, you know, what is the legacy I'm leaving to my family, to my community, to the people around me? This idea of endures, it says this, uh, I wrote down this, this characteristic of love never gives up. On people. It never gives up on people. And I was thinking of yours and my congregation conversation earlier this morning about one particular person. Never gives up on people. And then, like I said, my grandmother. That was one of those people. She just didn't matter. But then it occurred to me. Randy up at, at, at Rescue Mission. Talk about a guy who gives and gets and he never he never gives up on trying to help. Sometimes you'll see the same person every once a year for a couple of weeks, you know, and and they're in rotation from someplace else. You know, and 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 we used to call them the one on one nomads. Uh, And 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 he he shares and gives and, and and sacrifices. For that. 
What a testimony. Love always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, love always preserves. And the love we are talking about here is not eros love, the personal excitement and and erotic love. It's not the kind of love that attracts you to your partner or your spouse. This is agape love, godly love, the love that we are all called to have for one another as members of the body of Christ. And to love like this doesn't mean that everything will always work out the way you want. Love is often crushed, bruised, and rejected. Loving others is risky business, and it will make you vulnerable, open to all sorts of pain and abuse. But it is the love that we are called to have for one another because it is the kind of love that Christ has for us. It is the kind of love that brought him to his to to this earth, even though he was despised, beaten, and rejected. It is the kind of love that held him to the cross, even while those he came to save stood around, sneering and mocking and jeering. It is the kind of love that, despite everything, cried out, Father, forgive. And as I read this, this came out of an article out of of one of the apps that I have on my computer. And... and, uh, I thought about my pre-Christian walk and the number of times that I debated with Christians and be, and 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 was totally I won't go into it. It just the reality that I I didn't speak anything of Christ and yet Christ was patient. If you'd told me in in 1973 that I'd be 70 years old standing in a pulpit in Fortuna, California, I would have laughed for a long time because there's no way that could be possible. God's plans, his purposes, it's because he never gives up. He never stops. He keeps giving the opportunity. It is the love that we are called to have for one another because it is the kind of love that Christ has for us. It is the kind of love that brought him to this earth even though he was despised, beaten, and rejected. It is the kind of love that held him to the cross even while those he came to save stood around sneering and mocking and jeering. It is the kind of love that despite everything cried out, Father, forgive. And I read that again because it's the kind of love that we celebrate at communion. It's what he did for us. Love, agape love, Christian love, the love that we are called to have for one another is uh, it, it, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. May God help us to become the loving people and the loving community he has called us to be. And I put amen. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the article was written by a pastor by the name of Paul Green. And I. Uh, just thought it was appropriate to lead us into communion and close up uh, our message this morning. So it asked the worship uh, team to come up and, and sing the song. And uh, in your communion packets, if you uh, haven't got one, don't you certainly feel free to go out and get one right now. But if you have it, go ahead and uh, get it ready to share in communion. The little plastic thing comes off first off the top and then the, the, the lid over the, uh, over the cup comes off. And uh, 
we'll share in just a minute. Here is love that as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the friends of life are ransomed, shed for us. His precious blood, who his love will not remember, who can cease to sing his praise, he can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the mount of crucifixion, fountains open deep and wide, through the floodgates of God's mercy, float a vast and gracious tide, grace and love like mighty rivers, poured incessant from above. Heaven's peace and perfect justice kiss a guilty world in love. Let me all thy love accepting, love thee ever all my days. Let me seek thy kingdom only and my life be to thy praise. Thou alone shall be my glory, nothing in the world I see. Thou hast cleansed and sanctified me, thou thyself hast set me free. Who is love will not remember, who can cease to sing his praise. He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. He took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. Let's give thanks for the bread now. Lord, we thank you for this bread that represents the body of Christ, the reality that he came into this world. He physically took on the flesh. He became flesh. He sacrificed his life for us. He bled and died. From the very moment he came into this world was a sense of sacrifice. 
Philippians tells us so clearly. He said everything that he deserved aside and became flesh, even to the point of death on the cross for us. And so as we share this bread this morning, we thank you, Lord, and ask that you would cause us to think always of what an awesome God we have, that he would give so much to bring us to salvation. Let's share the bread together. The end of the meal, the cup of blessing was what was left. And he took that cup and he gave it a, a new powerful meaning. He said, this is my blood poured out to purchase the covenant. He's speaking of the covenant of grace, the mercy. At that point, what he was saying was what is, is this represents is going to pay in full everything you owe in the sense of debt to God because of sin. Everything is paid. There's nothing we bring to the table. We accept his mercy, his grace, and his love, and we accept his gift and of his poured out blood. And we say, thank you, Lord. Because there's nothing that we can bring that would help or, 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 or turn. But the blood of Christ is pure, perfect sacrifice. And he shed it for us. He asked as often as we would drink this, that we would do it and share it together, remembering him and remembering him until he comes again. Let's share the cup. Father, we thank you for this cup that represents your poured out blood that you shared for us. We come saying thank you for the sacrifice, but we recognize, Lord, that it, that the communion table is more than just your your flesh and your blood, your death, your birth and your death, but it is a representation of until you come again. And so as a result, it's a representation of your resurrection. We celebrate your resurrection here as well. And the reality that you are coming again. And in the meantime, you have given us the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to indwell us, to see us through, and to be able to cause us to have, as we've talked about today, all the things that we need to walk with you and to find every day a sense of, of, of being and a sense of rejoicing because the God of all creation loves us and has saved us. Cause us to go into the world around us with a sense of joy and hope and belief and faith and trust and perseverance, Lord, in such a way that people will say we are a unique people. And for those who have the the opportunity or take the opportunity to ask why we are different or why we approach things differently than others. Give us the ability to have the words that would minister to their hearts and minds and let them know that there is a God who loves them and has died for them and that we might be able to bring your salvation to their thought and, 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 and into their mind. Lord, We thank you. We worship you. We praise you. We ask that you go with us in Jesus name. Amen. You stand as we close, and uh, thanks again for being here this morning. Lord bless.
Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart, I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me. I bow before the cross of Christ and marvel at this love divine. God's perfect Son was sacrificed to make me righteous in God's eyes. The river's depths I cannot know, but I can glory in its flood. The Lord Most High has bowed down low and poured on me His glorious love, and poured on me His glorious love. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the one, the risen Son of God. Behold him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spot, this righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased with his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the one, the risen Son of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the one, the risen Son of God. Thank <laughs> you.